We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my friends. I'm curious. Have you ever thought to yourself, if people really knew me, they probably would not like me? Or have you ever felt like an imposter in your own life? Here's another way of asking it. Do you truly believe you deserve great love and immense success for being you? I know this is a subject that comes up a lot in my counseling practice, and they're not easy questions to consider, nor is this easy terrain to traverse. If we go far enough on our spiritual journey, I think it is inevitable that we will eventually come up against issues of self-doubt, worthiness, guilt, and shame. And I personally believe many people avoid embarking on the healing path for these very reasons. Well, today we're going to be spending some time with a courageous woman who has spent a great deal of time contemplating this subject and has written a powerful book about something she refers to as imposter syndrome. Joyce Roche has been a trailblazer in the corporate world for 25 years. She was Avon's first African-American female vice president, COO of Carson Products Company, and the former CEO of the national nonprofit Girls, Inc., Joyce is currently a board member on four Fortune 500 companies, and we're here today to talk about her new book, The Empress Has No Clothes, Conquering Self-Doubt to Embrace Success. So, Joyce, thank you so much for being here today. Yes, can you hear me? Joyce, so I'm so honored you're here today to talk about your new book, The Empress Has No Clothes. Tell me about the title of your book and why you wrote it. Oh, sure. Um, Well... Let me tell you why I wrote the book, and then I'll tell you very quickly how the title came about. Um, I had, um, I, about 2005, when I was uh, CEO of Girls Incorporated, uh, I contributed to a book called What I Know Now, Letters to My Younger Self. And in that book, I was asked uh, the question, if you could talk to your 30-year-old self, what would you, with the knowledge you have today, what would you say? And at that moment, um, immediately came to mind uh, my time in corporate America and how at that point I really felt like I was being successful. I was working long hours. I was over-preparing for everything, but I really wasn't enjoying the journey. And the reason I wasn't enjoying the journey, because I was so concerned that uh, with every success that I had, that the next step I made up, I was going to stumble. And someone was going to say, I knew we shouldn't have given her that chance. I knew she couldn't cut it. I knew she wasn't the right person. So it made me really question and, and, and be concerned and work hard to try and prove each time that I deserved to be in that position that I was. So I wasn't enjoying the journey. And my letter at the end basically said, if I'd known today what I, if I'd known then what I know today, I would have said to myself, "Relax, you deserve to be here." Um, so that was the the real reason that I went forward with the book because when that book was released, it was reprinted in O Magazine, and I received just tons of emails and notes from people saying, "You're telling my story. You really need to write a book." Well. When I stepped down from Girls, Inc. toward the end of 2010, I thought about it and I decided, well, if I could, if that, uh, just that one little brief 
message in this other book have that kind of impact on people. And if I could write more of my story and interview other people who had dealt with what is termed the imposter syndrome, and it could help those who are in the midst of their careers who are also silently and, and, and uh, within themselves dealing with this same feeling of self-doubt, if this can help them first understand that they're not alone and second, that you can quiet that voice and to share with them some techniques that uh, to help get to that point, then it would be well worth doing the book. So that's really why I pursued the book. The title, The Empress Has No Clothes, when I decided to do the book, came immediately to mind. And that's because I remembered, not in full detail, the uh, Hans Christian Andersen story, The Emperor's New Clothes. And essentially that story talks about how these con artists uh, convinced uh, the emperor that they could weave a fabric of incredible quality that they could create a suit that was so beautiful, but it had this mystical quality that only people who were people who were unfit, um, who were uh, dumb and unfit for their post, would um, not see the suit. They would not see the fabric. So the emperor was so excited about this. He told them, "Please go on and create this." He kept telling his ministers to go check it out as it was being produced, and they kept seeing, and they would go down, and they wouldn't see anything. So they thought they were dumb and unfit for their post. So they would come back and say, oh, it's beautiful. You won't believe what they're doing. This fabric is gorgeous. And so the emperor just couldn't stand it any longer when they told him that the um, suit was prepared. He went down, and he didn't see anything. So immediately he said to himself, I must be dumb and unfit for my post. Well, there was no way that he was going to recognize this. So he pretends to put on this invisible suit, which, which really didn't exist, and goes parading in the, in the kingdom, uh, and everybody's whispering he's naked, and, um, except one little child who says he doesn't have on any clothes. So essentially the imposter syndrome makes us feel that we, we suspect maybe we're dumb and unfit for our posts, and therefore we've got to constantly prove that we deserve to be where we are. Yeah, that's so powerful. I know you write something I just love in chapter nine. It's you say many of us hold that our value is measured by some objective yardstick. We do not recognize our essential worth and are therefore constantly terrified we'll be found lacking. The pursuit mm-hmm. of validation becomes a driving need often eclipsing other parts of our lives and ourselves. Ultimately, the question has to be, what do I value about myself? That is so powerful to me. Absolutely. Well, that's really one of the keys to addressing the imposter syndrome. And, and, and frankly, I didn't coin the term. It was based upon research that was done back in 1978 by doctors Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes, who had done research with 150 accomplished women who really discounted all of their abilities, even in the face of success. And they defined this thing called the imposter phenomena. But essentially, uh, in addressing this and where we start to quiet that voice is when we start to recognize our own value, to really appreciate what we bring, uh, our accomplishments, our, our um, uh, skills, our unique abilities. And then once we start to value that, that's when we are able to quiet that voice that causes us to question that. Mm, Yeah, you said something earlier that I just love, and I feel like you're kind of circling back to that. It's about enjoying the journey. It's about enjoying ourselves and our process. You know, what good is success if you can't enjoy the journey? 
Absolutely, absolutely. We spend so much time, uh, especially in, in the height of our career, uh, and at whatever that position is or career that we're working uh, in, and not to feel like we're getting enjoyment for it, that we're so consumed about, you know, um, not being questioned or about being good enough and therefore not really getting, you know, feeling the enjoyment of what you are achieving, the enjoyment of your accomplishments, the enjoyment of your contributions, um, then it's just, you know, you're robbing yourself. It's not worth it. Yeah, I would agree. So I would love for you to give me some of the, the similarities and differences um, between imposter syndrome and simply being insecure or self-doubt. Well, um, the, it's, it's an interesting uh, perspective because someone who's just insecure is really considering um, um, a, a, lack that they're, a lack of ability. And this insecurity causes them often to not move forward, uh, to not pursue. And imposter syndrome, while there may be questions about your ability, it's much more of a social phenomenon so that you are, in a sense, putting yourself in a position, you're finding yourself competing with people who are different from yourself, so it drives you to prove that, in fact, you are up to the task. So one is, one, insecurity often is an impediment. It often will cause somebody who's very insecure to avoid risk or avoid moving forward because that next move is too scary. The person with imposter syndrome is pushing to show the rest of the world or their peers or whoever they're competing with that they do have the skill. And if they feel they've got to work harder to, to do more, to produce more in order for that to be validated, then that's what they do. So it tends to be a driver, and that's why imposter, people who deal with imposter syndrome tend to be successful people. Hmm. I find it fascinating. You posed a question in your book that a friend of mine asked me once that brought me to my knees. I was sitting in front of my computer for 14 hours working on my book, and she said, what are you trying to prove and to whom? And And you write that in your book, and it's so powerful to sit and consider those questions. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it really is at the basis of what the imposter syndrome is about, is that who, what are you trying to prove? And, and in, in really looking at, and I used to use uh, pencil and paper to do this. This is how I had communi- conversations with myself. So I put down, you know, what it was, what it was I was trying to prove, what, you know, what was this... Let's say it's a position I had. What, about, what was it about this position that I felt like I had to prove that I could do that new job? What was it there? And then who was I trying to prove it to? And what I realized in the context of putting those questions, as I said, in the hard day of light, is that you then begin to see how you are discounting and minimizing and, dis- and, and in a sense, your own abilities, your own unique qualities, and what you're already bringing to the party. And so why do you feel that the person, let's say it may be your peer groups, 
that they are perfect. And so, therefore, you've got to prove that you measure up to that same level of perfection when, in fact, you're probably, the reason you got that promotion was that there was the evidence of your abilities already to prove that you could, be, could do that job. So it really does come down to that question of what are you trying? Just absolutely what are you trying to prove and who are you trying to prove it to? Yeah, that's that was life changing for me. And it yeah, it's interesting the way you state this. Like other people could see your value more clearly clearly than you could see your own value. That again, when we when we deal with um, those of us who have struggled with the imposter syndrome, one we are very it's it's very much of a uh, internal thing, and it's something that we keep very quiet. Because externally, we want to, uh, you know, our appearance is very confident and, and that there's no question at all. So, you know, our external appearance is, is very different than what's the churning that's going on inside. And then when we, you know, don't look at, um, you know, objectively look at our own skills and, and not over-exaggerate either the positives, but don't exaggerate the negatives as well. And think about the people whom we are comparing ourselves to and realize that they have, you know, they have unique qualities, but they're not perfect. They've got some shortcomings as well. We all do. So it's, it's really being putting these things in perspective, uh, both in terms of you and the people in, in which you're comparing yourself to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I often say if you compare or compete, it, it's not going to end well. It's no. not going to end well. We all have our unique gifts. So I, I like how you state that. So Joyce, I know you interviewed some uh, well-known leaders for your book. What were some of the most powerful things you learned from those interviews? Oh, that was the most amazing thing. One, I was so grateful to uh, these people who I knew, who I consider friends, Um, but who are highly accomplished individuals who were willing to share their stories with me when I talked about doing this book. Because, again, it was about trying to have people recognize that they're not alone in in, um, facing this. And what I learned uh, was how similar some of the triggers were that I expressed as I kind of chronicled my life and thought about when the things that caused me to start having those imposter feelings, that I found similar kinds of things and scenarios in the people that are interviewed. And so I, you know, it really became, it was kind of an aha that um, what this imposter syndrome team tends to drive from is when you are different from the majority of the people in which you're either competing or engaging with. And what I mean by that is, let's say a woman who finds herself in a predominantly male environment. Well, she's, the, she's in a sense, as I call it, sometimes the odd duck out. She's the one that is different from the majority of that community. And therefore, she may be constantly feeling like, I've got to prove that I can cut it in this environment of this predominantly male environment. Similar kind of thing of somebody, in, uh, a person of color in a majority environment, similar kinds of questions being raised and therefore the need or the fear that in fact I've got to prove that I fit in this environment. Or as I saw it from some of the white male colleagues who are, who, friends who were in the book, 
<laughs> like a Rick Goings, who's the CEO of Tupperware, where it was economic status. He grew up in a family of modest means, like I did, and and so when he found himself competing uh, with people who grew up uh, around horse farms and country clubs, and he didn't know anything about it, and and questioned, you know, whether or not he measured up or could fit into that group because he didn't grow up where he felt these people probably grew up where they were discussing the stock market around the table or they were used to engaging at at country clubs or going to coming out balls, and he did not have that kind of experience. So it caused him to question his fit in those and when he found himself, when he found himself after being a successful CEO of owning his own company, whether or not he could fit in that new group. So it was that was really the big aha was that these triggers can come from anywhere, but it's usually when in fact we find ourselves in the majority I'm sorry, in the minority position in some group. Yeah, I, I think that's so powerful. Something you, I think, kind of uh, started to, to bring up for me anyway is listening to this because I've felt like this in my own life. I don't feel as good as other people, so I have to prove I'm better to mm-hmm. be equal. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. And and so, you know, that, that I've got to work harder. I've got to mm-hmm. do more preparation. I've got to, to, to there to be no question that, in fact, I fit in this group. And so that's exhausting. really the driver of it. Yeah, how exhausting. Exactly. <laughs> that's why the journey is not fun. <laughs> yeah, until you kind of until you kind of get it. And something else you write about that I think is just so important and so helpful. It is uh, the importance of cultivating internal validation. For me, that was so key. So, so how can we start to do that for ourselves, Joyce? Well, the first thing is uh, not to stay silent on, on this and either find a trusted friend or coach, uh, as you mentioned, or as I did with a piece of paper and a pencil and talk and write out or talk about your feelings and these fears and, and, and because then you're able to get that perspective provided to you. The Another thing is to in a sense, take an inventory of your, your skill and your accomplishments and your um, experiences and be able to look at that in terms of, you know, listing them down to, to in a sense, show you, show mm-hmm. to, demonstrate to yourself your value, your unique qualities, your unique contributions. So putting it there, look at the people you're competing with and honestly assess them, put their strengths but also understand and recognize what are some of the things that you observe about them that may be a weakness or they might be lacking in, because we all have them. You know, having, um, being conscious of your environment, too, because, you know, sometimes um, it's normal when you're moving into less a, a position of greater responsibility that you might feel uncomfortable and, and, and feel like, okay, I've got to get my, you know, my game up to match up to this new responsibility. But sometimes, one, you've got to recognize when that's over-exaggerated because of the imposter syndrome. But sometimes it's our culture, that the culture that we are in that is contributing to this. 
And if it is the culture, then you need to make a decision of whether or not you should remove yourself from that because then there's something that's causing this because it's a situation that's the trigger, uh, not so much that it, that's, it's just internal. Um, having a sense of humor, uh, you know, laughing about um, things and, and enjoying what's happening around you, not being so serious about about everything. Uh, you mentioned about uh, internal validation. I call it, uh, you know, to, to metabolize that external validation that you're getting. We tend mm-hmm. to, people with the imposter syndrome, when somebody compliments us um, about, you know, something we've done well, our, our initial reaction is to say, oh, it wasn't a big deal. Oh, you know, anybody could have done it. But in a sense, internalize it and just take it in and mm-hmm. say thank you. And then, Gosh, you know, the big, big thing one. is, that's, that's a, a big one. one. Yeah. And the other one, as I, you know, I feel is really important is to pay it forward. Um, you know, share uh, when you observe, when you've got that, this under your belt, you, you start to understand and recognize it in some other people that may be, may be feeling the same kind of way. And you can help them get that to quiet, learn how to quiet that voice. Yes, to be of service and pay it forward. That can be really helpful to get us out of our own head and get out of our own way. I know that's definitely something that's helped me on my path. Oh, absolutely. You know, when you were in a situation, and uh, it used to be just wonderful for me to have um, younger people coming up in the company and and be able to be, in a sense, I called myself a guide, to answer some of those things that are not necessarily written down, that, uh, that allow you to feel comfortable in the environment where you are, that allow you to, to feel your worth and to get a comfort level quicker rather than having to kind of go through the fire to do it. So, you know, when you, when you do contribute that, you get so much back, um, much more than you ever thought you would, would, were giving, in a sense, in that envir- to that person. That's so true. You know, I kind of see, you know, life being like spiritual rock climbers. There's people we reach up to and learn from, and there are people that we reach down to and help. So mm-hmm. I think doing both of those things is, is so important to kind of continue to evolve and grow and up-level Absolutely. in our lives. Absolutely. So I just think you're so full of of wisdom and I just am enjoying this conversation thoroughly. So Joyce, if somebody wants to get a hold of your book or get in touch with you, how can they do that? Oh, uh, thanks for the question. Um, the book is widely available. Uh, I'm, it's available on Amazon.com. It's available on BarnesNoble.com. It's in uh, a lot of, it's definitely in Barnes & Noble, but a lot of the other bookstores, um, like a Books a Million, etc. Uh, it's uh, available on, at my publishers, BK, uh, com, and it's uh, available in print as well in an electronic version so it's it's available on the Kindle as well as the Nook so and and you know the other thing I would love your listeners to go to my website which is empresshasnoclothes.com and read some of the articles and and contribute a comment we've got a discussion group going on there and people have made their own observations about this and I have a sample imposter quiz, uh, which is in the front of the book, but it's also on the website, and they'll get some sense of to what degree 
they suffer or, or struggle with the imposter syndrome. I love that. It's like you're cultivating a, or creating a community and conversation about this very interesting um, subject. I think that's so wonderful. I love that. I love the idea of, of the community because that's really what I'm hoping to do. Well, I think, you know, yeah, feeling alone can be so not only painful, it can keep us really stuck. So like, like what you're talking about, bringing out of the closet into the light, let's talk about it. How are you feeling? This is how I'm feeling. And, and I think when we do this, we find we're not alone. There are so many people like us, if we're willing to have ourselves, have those conversations, make ourselves vulnerable. So I'm just so grateful to you for, for having the courage to talk about this and write this book. I think it's just, uh, just a wonderful um, piece of literature, and I can't recommend it highly enough to anybody who's struggling, believing they don't deserve their success. Okay. Um, well, you know, this this is what we, um, you know, the reason for doing the book. And, yes. uh, and so um, it's just, I, I'm really so thankful for you doing this interview to get this message out because I think the most, more, more of us that talk about it and contribute and have this conversation, um, that's how much better, you know, and how many more of us will be enjoying our journey. <laughs> and to me, that's what it's all about, Joyce, to enjoy the journey. I think that's why we're here. You're supposed to be having fun with it. That's and I absolutely have- right. I have thoroughly enjoyed you. I'm just so grateful that you said yes to this interview. And I want to thank my listeners for hanging out with us. I know you got value from Joyce Roche. The Empress has no clothes. Go to her website, check out her book. I think you're going to get great value from this. And just thank you, Brent Carey. Thank you, Kyla. I love Empower Radio, creating this forum to have these conversations. Just so immensely grateful. And to my listeners, if you want to get a hold of me, I'd love to hear from you. Go to TammyBPhD.com. Write to me at TammyBPhD at Gmail. Connect with me on Facebook. It's such an honor and privilege to be creating this um, community of consciousness. So I'm so, so grateful to each and every one of you. So take care of yourselves. God bless you. Onward and upward. Bye for now. (laughs) 